Hello, this is Annie Catherine, host of the multi-award-winning podcast, Soulful Series. Thank you for joining me as I chat with award-winning authors who have written a memoir or nonfiction motivational book and have an uplifting message to share. Hi, everyone. I am here with Alicia Fernandez Miranda. She is the author of My What If Year. Thank you so much, Alicia, for being here today. So excited to chat with a book birthday twin, as I understand it. Yes, I meant to tell you that. Yes, you picked that up. February 7th is going to be a great day. (laughs) A great day for books. And I love what your book is about. I love that it's a mom-com. I'm just, I'm like, so I'm so ready to read it. So I cannot wait to get my copy. Oh, (laughs) I can't wait. You know, and as I was reading yours, I saw some similarities between our books. Um, The whole trying to reinvent yourself at 40, uh, around 40. And I was like, oh my gosh. I, I, and I was thinking, I hope Alicia reads mine. <laughs> so thank you for that. <laughs> I can't wait to read it. I don't, I don't have it yet, but I think, uh, in, uh, far away Scotland where I am sometimes I didn't even get my book until like a week ago. <laughs> Oh my god! I had copies of my book, and I didn't have copies yet. The, the uh, postal service was on strike for a lot of December, so um, I didn't really get any mail until January. But uh, oh my gosh. So I'm waiting for more book mail. I can't wait. Yeah, you're probably seeing everybody posting your book, and you're like, "What? I want to hold it. I want to see the back cover." Because that was a big thing with mine too. Is I wanted to see the back cover of it, and I. <laughs> I couldn't until I had it in my hand. Also, I'm still, even though now I do have a copy here, I'm still like disbelieving that I actually wrote a book and that my name is on the cover. And I think until I, I I would see, you know, all through Christmas break, people were getting their books and their early copies and posting about it on social media. And, um, you know, we designed these really cute little boxes that M&Ms and post-its. Oh, yeah. And so I'm seeing all these people with the book and I'm like, okay, I can see that it's real because other people are talking about it, but I I kind of don't think I'm going to believe it till I hold it in my hands. I know. Uh, It was a really incredible moment to actually hold it. I'm sure you felt something similar. Yeah. It's, it's very surreal. It is. It's, it was like, I, my gosh. And my picture is your picture in here. Yes. Your picture's on the back cover. That was surprising. That was like surprising to me to see a, a picture on the back cover of me. I'm like, oh my gosh, my picture is on this cover. It, I wrote this. Oh my God. So cool, isn't it? <laughs> yeah. So let's talk about your book and the idea of it and you know, what inspired you, what it's about. Let's just dive right in. Tell me all about it. Well, so my book is called My What If Year, and it's a memoir. And it tells the story of uh, this year of my life that I decided to leave my job as a CEO of my own business and go take internships at all the jobs I wanted to do when I was a kid. So musical theater, contemporary art, fitness, and in the hospitality industry. Um, and it just so happened that I decided to embark on this journey at the beginning of 2020. So it coincided with the first big stage of the pandemic. Um, and it was really a book about what happens when you kind of achieve the things you set out to achieve and then think, was this really what I want? And is this where I want to be? And what if I did something else? 
And so really kind of exploring different possibilities for what happens and not necessarily feeling like uh, there's a ticking clock on that. So after a certain point, you can't pursue things that you want to pursue. Um, and it's funny because I think the book for a long time was like a very convenient excuse for doing the thing I really wanted to do, which was taking the internships. So when I first started out, you know, I was kind of quitting various things and stepping down from things and having to tell everybody I worked with, I was going to go take these mini sabbaticals for the year. And if I just said to people like, yeah, I'm going to go to New York uh, and I'm going to shadow a couple of productions on Broadway and off Broadway, and I'm not sure what I'm going to do. Maybe I'm going to be like, sweeping or folding playbills or I'll do anything they want. Uh, and I'm just going to have this experience. And oh, by the way, my husband and kids are going to stay in the UK and I'm, I'm going on my own. <laughs> and people were like, what are you talking about? But I found that if I said, oh, and you know, I'm going to, maybe I'm going to write a book about it one day, which was like such a throwaway comment yeah. that really felt people like it was, oh, well, this must be worthwhile because you have a project happening at the end of it. Yeah. Something. So for a long time, the book was just a convenient excuse to actually do the internships. But as I kind of went through this experience and I journaled, you know, every single day, pretty detailed uh, entries and started writing about it and crafting it into a story, then it was like, oh, maybe, maybe this is going to be a book. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. I love that where you're like, well, it's research. I, you know, I'm going to New York. It's, you know, it's for this book. I was going to ask you that because I wasn't sure if you just were going to do the internships and then later you decided to write a book, but you intentionally from the start, you always had in your head, you wanted to write this book. I knew I wanted to document my journey because yeah. I knew something special was happening. And then when COVID happened, I was like, well, this is an extraordinary time in human history. And I feel like I'm going to want a record of that at the very least, because gosh, you know, I love you know, I don't have a ton of family histories from my family. Both, both sides immigrated to the U.S. My dad was an immigrant from Cuba. Um, my mom's side was a few generations back from Eastern Europe. And so there's like a certain point at which I, I don't know what, I don't know what they were thinking. So I knew I wanted to document it. I knew I wanted to take notes. I knew I wanted a record of this. But I have to be honest, at no point until really, I don't, I don't even know when it was, but it was like maybe when I signed my publishing deal that I actually think, this was going to be a book. Even when I had written enough words to fill a book, it yeah. still seemed like such a pipe dream. I had never written a book, you know, had no idea if it was any good, uh, if anybody would ever be interested in the story. And so, I, you know, I, I took good notes and I knew I wanted to experience it and write about it. But really the idea that it was actually going to be a book that other people were going to read came much later. Yes. Well, it seemed like this happened fast. Well, three years, I guess. I mean, it just seemed like it happened fast for you. Um, what was it like? So you have, so you went through your internships and you wrote about it. And then what was the publishing process? Like, did it get picked up right away? So it's definitely like a sort of unorthodox, I guess, process in working with Zibby Owens, who's my publisher. But, um, my uh, process of querying for agents was, I think, what a lot of people go through. I queried 41 different agents. Um, I queried in both the U.S. and the U.K. because I'm American. Obviously, I felt like I was writing in an American voice, but I was living in the U.K. at the time. And frankly, I was like just trying to keep all my options open. So um, I was just cold querying left, right, and center, and absolutely nothing was happening. I mean, few people even responded. Most 
of the agents just ghosted me and didn't respond yeah. at oh, yeah. all. Um, but eventually, uh, number 41 became my agent, Stephanie Evans, at Aisha okay. Conde Literary. Um, and so I suppose that happened. We kind of connected and started working together in like April of 2021. So I guess I wrote it pretty fast, but I was kind of writing as I went along. And also, it was lockdown. We were inside and there was not a whole lot else to do. So evenings and weekends, you know, I needed something to keep me going. And oftentimes that was just like locking myself into a room and writing about this extraordinary experience that I had had. So I worked with my agent on some revisions. Um, We started preparing a package to go to, um, to go to uh, the different publishers. And in July of 2021, I got a two line email from Zibby Owens, who I know, you know, and so like you, Annie, I also had published an essay on moms don't have time to write. Um, And it was a piece from what, uh, what ended up being the fitness section of the and Zibby, in her like infinite spirit of generosity, yeah. sort of emailed me back within 24 hours. She was like, I love this essay. We're going to publish it. And let's hop on a Zoom. And will you tell me, you know, like, I want to hear all about you. Like, what are you doing? Oh so, so she was just so kind. She offered to introduce me to agents that she knew. You know, I told her I was working on making this a book and I didn't have an agent at the time. And so we just kept in touch sort of throughout uh, throughout the months. And then she sent me this two-line email in July, and she said, I'm starting my own publishing company. Have you sold your book yet? I want to publish your book. Oh, and I was like, that's, <laughs> that is incredible. That is very incredible. It was. And it was, you know, there was no, it wasn't even a company at the time. There wasn't a name. She didn't have a team. She just knew she wanted to do it. So she said, please, you know, can you just wait? give me like a few weeks to get my ducks in a row. Don't sell the book to anybody else. And mm-hmm. I was like, first of all, in my head, I'm thinking like, is any, does anybody else even want to buy this book? Oh, gosh. <laughs> but um, we wait, we waited and uh, I'm so glad I did. Yeah. Now we have this lovely book <laughs> out. Yeah. So let's talk about your internship experience. I want to know, like you talk. <laughs> So I just had to laugh when you're looking for people to hire you and you're like, I will do anything. It's free work people. And it's almost like these organizations and people running in them are like, Hmm, what's the catch here? Or, you know, what's going on? So can you talk about that whole experience of lining up these internships? Because you would think it would be easy. I, I honestly, I love that you bring that up. And it's so true. I, I thought going into this that that was going to be the easiest part, truthfully. Yeah. So I thought, what are the hard things? Okay, the hard things are going to be figuring out how to step back from work, figuring out how to manage my family responsibilities. You know, I had signed up before I started on this journey. I was doing everything. I was the parent organizer for the school. I was on three nonprofit boards. I had set up this sustainable fashion app. This was all on top of my full-time job. Just kept like lopping things onto my plate, like Thanksgiving dinner until it was overflowing. <laughs> and so I had assumed that the hardest part would be figuring out how to make enough space in my life to actually go and do this thing that I wanted to do. But it turned out the hardest part was getting anybody to take me seriously and to even kind of give me a second look. And, you know, I crafted this cover letter with there's so many drafts. I had lots of different friends look at it. It had been a while since I'd applied for a job. So yeah. I had to redo my resume. 
you know, people have all these fancy resumes now with like pictures and like moving things. And I was like, I can't do any of that. So, but you know, I mean, I was CEO of a successful business that I had helped found. I had a lot of experience and I thought that my kind of, you know, ask to them was pretty genuine. I was like, look, I'm exploring things. I'm about to turn 40. I want to know what's going to happen next in my life. I've always wanted to do this. Will you give me a chance? And I guess it was not as compelling an argument as I thought it was. <laughs> and like what happens when you apply for most jobs, you know, in the end, I ended up relying on my network to yeah. help me out. And I was pretty aggressive on LinkedIn. Aggressive. I was a little aggressive on LinkedIn. I was like friending everybody, reaching out to people. I was going to coffees with people um, and, you know, just saying, put like kind of putting it out in the universe, right? So yeah. like. Here's what I want. Do you happen to know anybody? And in fact, I had lunch with a friend kind of a, through that I knew through woman I knew through work. And I was telling her about this idea and how much I love the art industry and I was looking to do something in art. And she said, oh, I know someone at Christie's. Let me just connect you to them. Um, and sure enough, like two weeks later, I was called into for an interview for the Christie's work experience program. But that was all a result of her kind of saying to this person, you know, I know this woman. She's not insane. Like you should probably bring her on. She'll do a good job. Um, and so really like networks, 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 people really pulled up, but man, nobody wanted to hire me for free. <laughs> you would think people would be jumping at the bit for that, for free help from someone who's successful. <laughs> but you know what? I do think there's this whole, I saw, I can't remember now who does it. Someone does something called like mom turnships. But there, I really do think that there are a lot of people who are later in their, their careers that are looking to do, to pivot, who would be, you know, they're not your traditional candidate, but my gosh, they have so much to offer. You know, what they don't have in terms of youth, they have experience, they have life experience. Yeah. And frankly, I think companies would be a lot better off if they took advantage of, you know, it doesn't have to be unpaid, obviously, but, yeah. you know, non-traditional candidates looking for jobs because, yeah. you know. I, I just, I couldn't believe how few people even responded. Yeah. It was, it was, uh, very humbling. It was a humbling experience. Yeah. I would think, oh my gosh. Yeah. So, so you head off to New York and for the theater, gosh, I, I feel so sad that I don't think they even went on or one of the shows did, right? Because Eventually both of the shows made it on. Oh, don't, don't want to spoil it. However, you can see that on the internet and <laughs> people might've seen the shows, but yeah. it was over 18 months, I think, until either of them opened. And then, um, flying over sunset, which I sat into a few tech rehearsals and had the really good fortune to do that was, uh, in the Broadway theater at Lincoln center. Um, you know, they closed just a few months after they opened, which happens sometimes anyway. Um, yeah. it was a really exceptional show, but this was, you know, right when Broadway reopened, if, for people who were following theaters, you know, with all of the COVID protocols, people were still getting sick and people were yeah. still, you know, if one cast member got sick, a production had to shut down for the required period of time. And so, you know, rightly so, they were trying to keep people healthy, but it just meant that it was really, really difficult, if not impossible, for any shows that kind of opened them yeah. to have a long run or as long a run as they might have wanted to. Assassins did managed to go on at classic stage. And I think their run got extended. Um, but that was a lot of people moving mountains to make that happen, yeah. kind of coming back after such a long period of not being able to perform. 
Yeah, yeah, I can't imagine. What so what struck me as I was reading this is you're very um forward about the people you've worked with. Now I don't know if you use the real names. <laughs> but <laughs> But I was like, oh my gosh. And I just want to know how you're, how you felt writing about your writing. It's raw. You are telling it like it is. You're not sugarcoating this. So how did, how did that make you feel as you were writing it? Thank you. That's a very nice thing to say. Um, you know, as you will know about me from having read the book, I'm a, I'm a people pleaser. I don't like to disappoint people. I don't like to make people upset. I wish sometimes I was like 10% more comfortable with just doing what I wanted and not feeling like I constantly had to make everybody happy all the time. Um, so honestly, I agonized about it. I agonized. And, you know, my, my husband is my first and main reader. He's read so many iterations of this. And he was like, you're crazy. You are so complimentary of, you know, the overwhelming majority of the people that you work with, where maybe I've pulled out some, you know, real, real, uh, tough love talk. Those were names that I perhaps changed. Um, mm. but you know, overwhelmingly, this was a journey of love. I loved every minute of it. And I'm so unbelievably grateful to the people who allowed me to have these opportunities and these windows into their careers and their lives. But so I felt a responsibility to make sure I did that well and accurately. I feel like, I hope that the people who I've written about who were kind of with me on this internship adventure um, will be pleased with how, I mean, I love them all. And so yeah. I hope that that comes through. Yeah. Um, and, you know, there were some others which were just funny moments that I, I they're, they're true. So <laughs> yeah. But, um, you know, I took, I took a memoir writing class, uh, at one point during the writing process of this, once I had gotten a little bit more serious about the experience and, you know, these people that were in the class with me were really deep family stories of trauma or abuse or, you know, secrets. And, you know, I think it's something that if you're writing memoir, everybody struggles with, you know, how do you tell your story, but also portray people accurately but it was tough for me. I'm hoping when they all read it, they're all still going to love me as much as I love them. <laughs> <laughs> so, so you went to New York, you did the theater, then the next one, oh, that's when COVID hit. That's when you did fitness, right? Okay. And I am laughing at the parts where you're trying to do the fitness classes with your kids around. <laughs> I mean, we were all, we were all there in 2020, were we not? Like yes. that was the experience. It was, you know, we, uh, our house was, um, it's kind of open plan. So the kitchen, the dining room and the living room and the TV are all in one space. And so the kitchen dining room became school and the TV was where I would stream classes. So I could kind of see the screen and have enough room to work out. So we were all bumping up on each other all the time. Yeah. My four children just saw, you know, some of those, some of those classes are like, mom, you're so embarrassing. Why are you moving like that? Why are you touching yourself like that? Why are you shaking your hips like that? And it definitely takes you out of the moment. I do think that was a really unique time that many people who embarked on their online fitness journey for that period will remember. Fondly yes. and not so fondly. Yes, 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 yes. Okay. And then, then you did the art and then you did a hotel experience. So 
Um, the art was very fascinating. I don't know anything about art, but the one thing I do want to say based on the theater and the art is the, the black uniform with the funky glasses. And I'm like, oh my gosh, I wear black all the time in You're black. There. You're ready. You're already ready. <laughs> you are already professional. Can you see I'm wearing a black turtleneck right now? Yeah. I've upgraded my wardrobe since I was writing the book. I know. I was I was looking at your, your black turtleneck. And I was like, oh, yeah, I wouldn't even had to update my wardrobe. I have, I'd be fit right in with all the black. I you are dressed very appropriately. Also, when I was working in the hotel, they wore all black. Oh yeah. Um, yeah. Interesting. That is so interesting. Your glasses are very cool. I still don't have glasses. Oh, you don't need them, right? You don't need And I know that that's like sounds like a humble brag, like oh, perfect vision, but every time I go to the eye doctor for an exam, I'm always like, maybe just reading glasses, like a tiny, tiny prescription. <laughs> I just feel like that's like a fashion trend I would like to I could get really into glasses. I just yeah. That would be such a. You could just do it. Do the blue light. Just do the blue light and say, "Oh, I just do it to save my eyesight from the screens." <laughs> so cute, and also when you're tired, like you can just put glasses on, and you still look great. Yeah. Yes, I, I love them. If you see that's why I with glasses, everybody, you're gonna know they're fake. So <laughs> just try to poke your hole in and see if there's actually like anything there. It might just be my eyeball, and it's completely. <laughs> oh gosh, so talk a little bit about what advice you have for people or what you want them to take away from your book. Um, it's, it's very inspiring. It's, you can do this at any time in your life, just even after work, if you work full time and you want to try something new, you can volunteer. So what advice do you have? I, you know, I think that's, that's pretty much the, the main thing. I mean, on the one hand, I wrote a book that I to read. So I enjoy fun books. I enjoy funny books. I enjoy uh, books that where not everything goes perfectly. Um, and so I, I wanted something that would entertain people, especially coming out of this you know very dark period of COVID and not being connected to people. I really wanted something that somebody was going to be able to read and enjoy because that was all the content that I was reading, craving, consuming was that kind of, I want to be entertained. So I hope people are entertained by it. Um, and, you know, I do hope that people are inspired to try something new and to push themselves out of their comfort zone and to really interrogate when they think, I could never do that, or I'm not good at that, or, you know, I'm too old to do that. You know, I do hear, I have friends of mine, even though I still feel like we're really young, we're only in our 40s, but still saying that, you know, why? Why? Really, why? Like, is that true? Is that a legitimate barrier? Sometimes there are legitimate barriers. Certainly, I had a lot of privilege in my life to be able to go and take these unpaid internships and kind of balance that with my other career and my family obligations. But sometimes they are barriers that we've kind of put in place for ourselves. And now, being on the other side of that journey, I realized how many of those I had. Things I thought I could never do because that they just weren't my thing. Being right-brained wasn't my thing. Doing anything creative or artistic, that's not me. I'm a practical person. I'm a strategic person. I'm a left-brained person. Um, I'm not an athletic person. And yet, this year I've taken up stand-up paddleboarding. I'm pretty bad at it, but I still enjoy it. Yeah. And I've yet to get injured, knock on wood, from that particular <laughs> pursuit. Um, and so that's what I hope. I hope that people read this and they feel... Whatever that what if is in their head or what else, you know, 
maybe I could go and try that. Maybe I should. And like you said, it doesn't have to be for your full-time job. It doesn't have to be an internship. Maybe it's a hobby or something you do before you get up and, you know, before your house wakes up in the morning and you have work obligations or evenings or weekends. There's just so much out there to learn and explore. And I, my favorite thing that I've been hearing from just some of the early readers of the book are people who have come back and said, oh, you know, I've always wanted to do X and now I think I'm going to try it. I mean, how amazing is that? That is amazing. That is so amazing to, to have something you wrote inspire somebody else. That is like the best compliment ever. So, okay. So this comes out on February 7th and you have some really fun launch events. So can you talk quickly about those? Yes. I think, uh, because I missed people so much during COVID, I was like, when this book comes out, we're going all over the place. And so that is what I have organized with my wonderful publishers at City Books and lots of very generous friends who are opening up their locations to me and kind of coming along. So um, I will be in six cities across February. Um, and these are, for the most part, these are not your like traditional, the author reads a book and signs a book, which are also really cool events that I love. But um, I didn't know that anybody would have any interest in coming out to see me reading a book or signing a book. So um, in New York, we've got the launch with America Ferreira and Zibby Owens at the Strand uh, on February 7th, which you can come and just get a ticket for. We've got a dance class with Dance Body. We're doing cocktail making. Um, I go to my hometown of Miami, and uh, then I'm doing uh, an event at Books and Books where I worked where I was a teenager. I'm doing a family fun day. Um, which is going to have laser tag and video games and all kinds of stuff. You go to New Orleans and do a Mardi Gras headdress making workshop um, oh, at the Hotel Peter and Paul. Uh, I've got a house concert in Houston, um, and then I'm going to be in LA and Seattle. Those are still being scheduled. So I would love to see as many people as possible come along with me. Yes, that is so exciting. Enjoy the party. Great. And where can people find out more about these launch events? Everything is on my website, which is aliciafmiranda.com. Um, and you can also follow me on Instagram at aliciafmiranda. Okay, perfect. Well, thank you so much for joining me from Scotland. Yes, indeed. We're I, already nighttime. Oh my gosh, it is? 5.30, which is nighttime here. The sun sets this time of year at 3.45. Oh, that's early. Yeah. Wow. It's a short day. <laughs> I did a presentation at my kid's school this morning and I was done by nine o'clock. And uh, when I left at 9 a.m., I left the school at 9 a.m. and it was still dark in the morning. And I was like, what? Oh my gosh. You only have this amount of time to have some sun, huh? Yeah. Well, and then it rained all day. So but <laughs> I love Scotland. It's beautiful a lot of the time. So. Yeah, I bet it is. Well, thank you so much for joining me today. I really enjoyed our conversation. I want everybody to read my What If Year. It comes out on February 7th. So that's next week, folks, or in two weeks. So <laughs> put it on your list. And uh, Book Birthday Twin, I hope that our books do wonderfully. I cannot wait to read yours and see yours coming out on the same day. Oh, thank you. I really appreciate that. Thank you for having me. Yes. Thank you for listening. Soulful Series is hosted by me, Annie Catherine. Soulful Series is a Vienna Studios production produced by Vanessa Ferlano. Music by Vanessa Ferlano. Catch you next time. Bye.
part of the ACAST community.